Welcome back, Grizz Nation, to another episode of the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and it's playoff basketball. Uh, after last night's thrilling playing game between the Los Angeles Clippers and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the fate has been decided. The Grizzlies will be facing the Minnesota Timberwolves in what should be an electrifying series. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm sure our guest, who I will introduce here shortly, is looking forward to it as well. But first, before we introduce him, let me uh, let y'all know how y'all can get in touch with the podcast and the blog. The Longview Podcast is a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, 3D Podcast, and the Starting Five Podcast. So wherever you get your uh, podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast, Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network is right there. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under the SB Nation Network. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is a contributor for uh, the SB Nation website for the Minnesota Timberwolves, known as Canis Hoopus. Mike O'Hagan. Mike, how are you doing this evening, sir? Doing great. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. No problem. You know, I, I got to ask you this, just, you know, uh, with the Wolves, it's kind of like a rocky last really almost 20 years, one playoff appearance, 17 years. But last night, y'all y'all had like a very thrilling play-in <laughs> game. I love the play-in tournament. It's probably the best thing Adam Silver's ever done. Um, and, you know, it, it, for a moment it looks like, okay, well, the Clippers are probably going to pull away here. And then here comes this thunderous run led by y'all's young guys and Patrick Beverly and even with your best player quote-unquote, fouled out, yeah, they took they took care of business. So uh, just, Mike, what what's the synergy like around the city? What are your feelings just on, on this run for the Minnesota Timberwolves and what really has looked like has kind of just rejuvenated uh, the, the franchise and the excitement around the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah, uh, I'm actually just starting to get my voice back now from last night. Uh, up in the 200 level at Target Center. Um, but really can't say enough about what this season has done to, like you said, re-energize the fan base. Um, there's always been a good chunk of people in the Minneapolis area and in Minnesota who are basketball fans, but frankly, we haven't had anything to cheer for for, like you said, 20 years, basically. I mean, even they made the postseason in, 2018 but that it's has as has been documented you know it was obvious that that was not built to last with uh jimmy butler and tibbs and as much as i do think you know there's definitely plenty of blame to go around for that i think Knicks fans are kind of finding out how that goes with tibbs this year too but aside from that you know it's it was the perfect storm this year anthony edwards his personality is one that people gravitate to and throwing a wild Patrick Beverly into that mix has only uh only brought the fan base back to its feet more so again it's it's been awesome to see you know it's been a lot of empty arenas over the last 15-20 years but playoff basketball is back in Minneapolis and surely with the the team that Minnesota has it could be something that's here to stay and you know I will say with when it comes to Patrick Beverly, I was always team just get that man away from my point guard uh, because you know the stuff with Russ and the stuff with Chris Paul last year. I was just like, I, I don't, 
I, I, every time I, something gets brought about Patrick Beverly, I'm like, that man's a maniac. And uh, it, it's also just like both a double-edged sword. You know, you had the bad where you kind of like, you're on the opposing side. You're like, dude, I don't want him hurting my star point guard. But on the, on the other side, you know, the side for y'all is he's really rejuvenated that team and really just brought a culture there. And it's become like almost like a, from, from my distance, he seems like a folk hero kind of almost in the same way that like Tony Allen was to Memphis. Like it's like similar vibes as he kind of just, you know, become just uh, the the fan favorite of sorts for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. And I think he kind of hit the nail on the head. He's one of those guys who, when he's on your team, you love him. I will admit that I was not exactly the biggest Patrick Beverly fan before this year. Um, but yeah, he's kind of also just been as weird as it is to say for someone who's as demonstrative as he is on and off the floor, he's kind of been the adult in the room. Um, he's been able to hold people like Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards accountable. He's someone that they clearly respect and actually listen to. And that's something that's really important, especially on the defensive end of the floor, because basically the story of Cat's entire career in Minnesota has been that they've been able to stay afloat on offense but the defense has been impossibly bad and um pat bev has been able to like i said he's been able to hold those guys accountable to where this year they were right around league average defensively and just that jump from you know bottom three to five in the league up to passable has really given them a chance to make a little bit of noise here so you know, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say Tony Allen because I know what he means to Memphis and that fan base, but it is it is similar in this season where he's kind of brought an attitude of, you know, intensity and he's ready to get the guys going on defense. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely wild to see. And, you know, even though there's like kind of the, the weird dialogue with the celebration stuff, you have the, the shamers – of celebration and then you have um the people that are shaming the people doing the celebration it, it was a cool moment it's it's also just fun meme content and stuff but um i, I guess one thing too that i want to ask you is so but like when he came into the league and you know his brooklyn run i had a ton of stock on d'angelo russell and i i still have it but i still i sold some of it and i think i put some of that stock into anthony edwards Someone I was incredibly wrong about uh, into the draft. He's been awesome. He's emerged as probably one of my favorite non-Grizzly players. But I'm not I, – I promise you guys I won't be spending this podcast gushing about the Minnesota Timberwolves, and you'll see on my Twitter I will not be gushing about the Minnesota Timberwolves whatsoever. But Anthony Edwards has emerged as a guy that, you know, he's become this really dynamic offensive threat. I mean, everybody thought he was kind of be – Frankly, and sorry to give you a little bit of PTSD here, Mike, everybody thought he was going to be another Andrew Wiggins. And he's shown that he's got this edge about him. And I did not know until it was said on the broadcast, but he's the fastest player to reach 300 total threes. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, part of that is he's willing to let that thing fly. I can <laughs> tell you that for free. And it's one of those things that it's a double-edged sword. You know, he's – six five 220 pounds or whatever and he is at his best going to the rim but he insisted last year that he was a good jump shooter in media sessions all year long 
he told us before the off season that he was going to come back a different player and credit to him. He did clearly put in a lot of work over the summer. He came back and for the most part, went healthy this year, he's proved to be a pretty good jump shooter too. So just one of those people, you know, I'll admit I wasn't that high on him coming into the draft either, but he has proved to be worth the number one overall pick, frankly. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say too many nice things about the kid and what he's done to kind of change the culture and the vibes in Minnesota. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, it kind of reminds me somewhere of like John Morant and just what he's done to the culture here and just his real emergence very quick. I mean, I never had any doubts about him when he, you know, was a number two pick or a pre-draft or anything. I knew this kid's going to be good. Being this good this quick, I mean, that that's something that's up, up for debate here. But, you know, my last postseason, we saw this, like we saw John Morant's first playoffs be used as that showcase is saying the, hey, this kid's arrived and he's going to be one of the next big stars in this league. Uh, do, you, do you get any sort of that vibe with Anthony Edwards? Like regardless of what happens in this series and how long it goes or whatever, even if it's a five-game series or so, do you think that this is going to be the good showcase that not every, not everyone gets? I mean, Minnesota's not a national TV kind of team where people are like, oh, when we're talking about faces of the league, we need to be talking about Anthony Edwards as well. Or future faces. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. I got what you're saying. Yeah. And I mean, I do think so. He's someone who clearly um, feeds off of these moments. He's, he's someone unlike anyone that we've ever really seen since Kevin Garnett in Minnesota, I guess, who, when the crowd gets into the game, when the moment gets bigger, he wants the ball, you know, I, I've loved Carl Anthony Towns. I've defended him for seven years. He's still one of my favorite players, but it, it was apparent even just last night or Tuesday night, you know, Ant was the one who wanted that ball down the stretch. You know, he was the one who was in attack mode. He was ready to go. And I think that's kind of what we can hope for him to build off of now coming into this playoff series. Like you said, the Grizzlies are an outstanding team, top five defense all year long. They have a lot of bodies to throw at someone like Ant. And then if he does get past the premier defenders, of course, there's Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams waiting for him at the rim. So by no means am I, you know, expecting this to be a cakewalk for Ant or anything yeah. like that. But he's supremely talented. He seems to feed off of the moment. And I do think he can use this as a springboard kind of, you know, similar to the way. I always think of the Wolves kind of similar to where the Grizzlies were last year, where they could use the plane win their first playoff experience is kind of a springboard into the next year. So that's kind of where we're at with that. For sure. And, you know, that's, that's a very good mind, a mindset to have with it. And also too, it, with everything too, it helps kind of gauge expectations. I mean, for last year with the Grizzlies, it was just like, okay, the Grizzlies are in the playoffs. They're getting this experience against the Utah jazz best team in the West. Like we'll, we'll take it. Uh, we'll just take it and see where we grow. And it, it helps. Cause also too, it allows front offices to, the front office to make an evaluation. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas got absolutely burned and dropped coverage. They traded him in an opportunity to trade up, and they also got a slightly more versatile center in Steven Adams, but still kind of does similar stuff to Jonas, just without the shots. Um, traded away Grayson Allen, who was due for an extension, but also was just 
picked apart by Donovan Mitchell defensively and gave those minutes to Desmond Bain. And obviously that kind of stuff pays off kind of stuff you can use the evaluation process. And so, so Mike, I, I do want to ask you a few, you know, future minded questions. This is like the long view podcast. And I'll, I'll ask you a couple questions here. And then um, after the break, um, Mike and I will end this segment and I will uh, ride solo talking about these in terms of the Grizzlies. Uh, so first off, just uh, Mike, what is one thing, you know, with the future in mind that you really want to see from the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, in this postseason? Well, they've got to figure out what their long-term solution is at power forward next to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, kind of the biggest problem they've come across offensively all year long, as wonderful as Jared Vanderbilt has been on defense and as much energy as he brings, he is a non-shooter on offense, and that causes a lot of problems. Even you saw uh, on Tuesday night, the Clippers were willing to throw a wing on Cat, knowing that they could just put Zubach on Vando, have him lurk pretty much just in the lane, waiting for Cat or waiting for Ant to drive to the rim. Cat um, is defensively challenged, we'll say. Um, so having a strong defender next to him in the front court is really important. But if the trade-off is in that you clog up the offense, you're just trading one problem for another, really. So there are ways for Vanderbilt to be playable on offense. The bar isn't necessarily super high for him because he is a very good defender, but he's got to be able to make himself a threat in some fashion on offense. And I think that's what they'll probably find out in this series. And like you said, that's why this playoff experience is so valuable. They do get to evaluate that position in these high stakes games because it's just, it's a whole different ball game than regular season basketball. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, Jerry, Jerry Vanderbilt has been a, a good spot for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, he's part of that lineup. I don't know if the that starting lineups net rating ever crashed down to earth a little bit, but they had like an astronomically high uh, net rating together. And, you know, Vanderbilt's a big part of that because, um, to, to his own detriment, he doesn't need the ball on offense, but like you said, it puts, like we saw last night, how the Clippers just double teamed, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and with Jerry Vanderbilt's guy, but also too, you can use that guy to kind of call it the lane a little bit for guys like Anthony Edwards and, uh, D'Angelo Russell trying to get downhill. Then that's where it gets a little problematic, but also to having another guy who just does his job. Uh, defense hustle while letting your guys, your go-to guys, your cat and D'Lo get those touches. It, it benefits. It does benefit, but that, that's a very good point. I guess I'll transition to this and it might even be the same answer, but I'll still ask anyway, is there a young player who um, a good postseason outing could be like the most beneficial or I guess the, the young role player whose performance could be the most pivotal to the team's, current but also long-term outlook yeah i'll actually say jaden mcdaniel's there um he is probably i guess jared vanderbilt's probably their best defender but jaden mcdaniel's is right there he spent a ton of time on paul george in the playing game um whenever patrick beverly is not guarding john morant i would expect jaden mcdaniel's to be in the game and spend a lot of time on jaw um Frankly, I would prefer Jaden Anja to Beverly anyways, just because he's so long. He has really good feet. He can slide with those quicker players. Um, 
his thing has really been making himself a threat on offense again. And he had started to turn a corner where, you know, those catch and shoot threes in the corner were starting to go down. Um, earlier this year, it felt like every time he tried to attack a closeout from the corner, he found a way to step out of bounds. Um, he had figured that out and had looked, uh, looked more like the five-star recruit that he was in high school, frankly. I mean, he's never going to be a 20 point per game guy, but a guy who can play strong defense on the wing and give you something on offense, you know, catch and shoot and a little bit off the dribble is really valuable. Um, he would be the guy I think is probably most in their long-term plans who has uh, a lot to gain from this playoff series. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, you, you would just ask or pose this question, you know, when you're talking about a thing long-term that you're looking for with this postseason, is he that guy that could potentially fill in as that four next to cat, or are you looking for someone who provides a little bit more of a bruising interior presence is McDaniel somebody that kind of fits that criteria? You know, I guess that's kind of what we'll find out here. The biggest issue they've had with playing McDaniels at the four is rebounding. Um, he is still just so thin and it's obvious, you know, it's something he'll fill out as he gets older, but you know, the Timberwolves are a bad defensive rebounding team as it is with, Jared Vanderbilt on the floor, who is a very good rebounder. McDaniels playing the four has led to some really, really brutal rebounding numbers. Um, and it's actually probably from our end, or from the Timberwolves point of view, I guess, probably the biggest X factor where, you know, something that they have to even up to make this a competitive series is they cannot just get beat up on the glass. Um, that's something that, you know, Jay McDaniels, he's six foot ten, but if you're six ten or six nine, six ten and two hundred pounds, you know, you can get pushed around a little bit, especially around a guy like Steven Adams. So rebounding is really what's probably going to be the swing for him in terms of being a four. They've started to use him on the wing more often. Um, it seems like that's where they like his home to be. But he definitely has the length to play the four if needed. Absolutely, you know. Just kind of like a wait and see. That's what the playoffs are kind of used for. You know, everybody can show their stuff in the regular season. But, you know, when it comes comes down to it, you guys see how they perform in the postseason, how they fit with your guys. And especially it's important for McDaniels right now because, you know, it's the second season. Um, after next season, he'll be eligible for an extension. So, obviously, he's going to want to try to build off of whatever he does here in hopes of getting a good extension down the road to stick with this team long term. But um, he, this will be the last like feature-minded question that I'll ask you, and then we'll uh, get your prediction on the series. So, Mike, which of your guys on the team probably has the most riding on him in this postseason, whether it's pressure, their stock, or uh, just using this postseason as uh, the platform for their next step? Who, who has the most riding for him in, in this postseason? I think the easy answer would be Carl Anthony Towns just because of the poor showing, to put it lightly, that was bad. in the playing game. Yeah, that was brutal. And Katz, he's kind of been battling with the officials all year long. And honestly, his biggest opponent right now has been himself. But beyond Cat, um, it's probably D'Angelo Russell. Um, he's extension eligible this summer too, I believe. And 
I can't imagine the Bulls want to bring him back at a max number again. Um, you know, he's a good, helpful player, but um, he probably has the most riding on this in terms of where the front office views him in their future plans, just because his contract situation is going to be complicated. Um, his contract situation, frankly, has been complicated since the day Kevin Durant decided he wanted to leave Golden State and go to Brooklyn, and D'Lo became a part of that sign and trade. Um, and that's continued since he was swapped for Andrew Wiggins. So um, he's probably the player with the murkiest future, I guess, who will be playing a, a, focal, a yeah, focal role here just because regardless of what Cat does, he's probably signing that max extension or he's getting, he's at least getting offered that max extension. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's one of the, uh, probably one of the best five centers in the league. So, I mean, right. but also too, at the same time, I, I think, and especially, you know, the playing game kind of highlighted it a little bit because, you know, he had his struggles and then he comes out of the game, team goes on a run, wins the whole game. Right. And you kind of question like, can the, can Carl Anthony Towns be the guy? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's the, you know, the question that's going to be asked a lot in the postseason. Um, frankly, I, you know, I'm not a, a big uh, uh, Timberwolves observer or anything, but from a distance, it kind of seems very easy to just, you know, make Cat that number two and then make Ant, just get the keys to Ant, let him work. But, I mean, Cat's been their guy since they drafted him, so that's definitely a, a tough transition. I mean, th- I will say, like, how, how much did the uh, – it just – his his mental last night just wasn't there. Um, right. How much was that kind of bothers him to? It's, I know uh, one of y'all's writers, uh, Logan Alton, I believe he uh, mentioned he quote tweeted some tweet about a cat moratorium where it's like, okay, you can't talk about what cat did last <laughs> night until this amount right. of time because obviously you don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, but he had such a bad game. But meanwhile, it's like you all just made the playoffs. So worry about that, like thursday right. or something but it it was from a distance it was kind of tough to watch just kind of mm-hmm. watching your star player the guy that everybody calls you know their, your best guy kind of just crumble in that situation it was definitely concerning and i think something you alluded to um is probably the long-term solution just you know you never know how guys are going to progress how guys are going to grow um the best case scenario for the timberwolves long term is probably that Anthony Edwards develops into a good enough player to kind of take the keys where Cat is then, you know, he's not in a secondary role necessarily, but the weight of the franchise isn't necessarily on him. Um, you know, I will say, I think the Clippers had maybe the perfect personnel with people like Marcus Morris or Robert Covington, kind of those long wings who can really irritate someone like Cat, but frankly, he did not handle the moment well. You know, he lost his composure. Um, anytime you've got Patrick Beverly telling you that, you know, pointing to his temple and telling you to keep your head in the game, uh, mm-hmm. things might have gone awry, you could say. Um, but I guess the beauty of it is they found a way to win the game. Now Cat has, you know, it's kind of put up or shut up time. You know, he's got a series here now where he can kind of repair what damage he did to his uh, image nationally the other night. Um, but he's got to prove it. I mean, he didn't have a great series against Houston back in 2018, and those numbers kind of speak for themselves. I 
don't want to get too deep into them because it was a while ago, but still, um, it's kind of time for Cat to either show that he's that guy or, you know, there might be some tough conversations around Timberwolves, I guess. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I really hope that my praise of Colin Cat, you know, a top five, I mean, probably even like top three center, and also saying that he kind of just checked out. I hope that it just kind of cancels each other out so I didn't like jinx anything or whatever, but <laughs> it, it's all good, you know. And Cat's a great player, great player to figure it out. But again, you know, they, they get when you're the guy, you're going to get that pressure. But right, those are standard jail too. Exactly. So, all right, Mike, we'll close with this. I think I probably already know your prediction. What is your series prediction for this Grizzlies and Timberwolves series? <laughs> Last night when I was feeling the moment a little bit, I did throw out a Wolves in seven tweet. But, um, no, I all in good fun. I'll say, let's say, I'll say Grizzlies in six. Um, I think the Wolves – I think they're ready. I think they can make this an entertaining series. I'm really looking forward to the series, not just from the lens of being a Timberwolves fan, but just as a basketball fan in general. But um, there's a reason the Grizzlies finished with the top five offense, top five defense. They're good and they're deep. Um, I think uh, so. Yeah, I'll go Grizzlies in six. For sure. And I won't let people wait until um, my, my part of the segment for my prediction. I'll let Mike here to here. I, I can't lie. You know, I saw all those people being like, oh, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves can upset. I, I also think <laughs> that like, you know, people got caught in the caught in the moment a little bit of the playing right. drill and stuff like that. And, you know, you have Shaq and Barkley using the oh John only average 20 against them. Like as like the they're <laughs> thinking. I mean, it's funny where Barkley says at halftime that the Grizzlies are just watching this game sipping on their tea and then say that they're gonna lose to this play-in team right after, like, right after the end of the game, but that's beside the point. So I was feeling myself with that. I'm like, man, Grizz in five. Like, I'm like, Grizz in five. But I, I really think it's going to be like Grizz in six. Um, I I think that both teams, you know, I think it will go 2-2 two, two after game four. Both teams, you know, when there's at home and then Grizzlies, you know, take care of business game five. And then at that point, I you know, I mean, I saw a tweet today from one of our um, media members in Memphis where, I mean, the Grizzlies are a top five offense and a top five defense. That's typically a contender profile. I mean, contenders figure it out. Um, so that's where I'm at. But I- I'm glad we didn't have to argue about why you think it's Wolves and Six. So I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Mike, do you have anything else before uh, we close this segment here? No, I'm good. Excited for a fun series. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. And make sure you are following him on Twitter at M-I-K-L-E-O-H-A-G-A-N. And make sure you're checking out Candace Hoopus for all the best Tim Wolves coverage. And we will be right back. All right. And we are back once again. Thank you to Mike for joining us on this episode of Longview and for giving us his uh, Timberwolves insight on this series. Uh, make sure y'all follow him on Twitter. Make sure y'all are reading and checking out Candace Hoopus on uh, the SB Nation Network for uh, stuff on the Grizzlies and to rules this series, as well as Grizzly Bear Blues. But I want to answer some of the long few questions I had asked Mike, but with the Grizzlies in mind. And so first, uh, with, with the big picture, the long view in mind, what am I looking forward to seeing from the Grizzlies in this postseason? 
and it's definitely how the Grizzlies end up uh, having John Morant's guy kind of just be the aggregate, you know, because, you know, some not, I, I feel like it's a very much a 2A, 2B, 2C kind of deal with Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, but really in particular, I'm looking forward to seeing what Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain do uh, in this postseason. Obviously, both of these players were not what they were or, or what they are now in last playoffs. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was coming off a nine-month layup from his uh, knee surgery, and Desmond Bain was just a rookie coming off the bench. Uh, obviously, Jaron Jackson has made tremendous strides as a defender, and Desmond Bain has done so just as an all-around offensive player, playmaker, shooter, scorer, you name it. He's done that, and I'm just really excited to just see how that translates to postseason play. Um, obviously, that's if those two guys are playing to the capabilities that we've seen from them th- thus far this season on both sides of the ball, uh, the Grizzlies have a very good shot of uh, potentially getting where they want to go in this postseason and um, making a good stretch out of this first run right here against uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, it's just going to be important. You know, the Timberwolves have a lot of offensive firepower. Number one team in the league in points scored per game. And they really do so. You know, they have Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, all dynamic scores. And I just think that um, the Grizzlies are going to need that as well. I think the Grizzlies do have better depth. But at the same time, you know, you're going to need an explosion from Desmond Payne. Uh, you're going to need Jaron Jackson to take advantage of mismatches and Carl Anthony Towns' uh, not-so-great uh, defense. So I'm really excited to see how those two perform. I, I think it's going to go a very long way into determining the uh, postseason for this team, but also they're, they're standing on the team. You know, if those two guys can step up and they can prove that those three guys are bonafide cornerstones, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. I think this is going to go a long way into the team building construction of this team going forward. And next, uh, I want to get into a role player, a young role player who I think could benefit the most from this series. And obviously that doesn't include Dustin Bain or Jaron Jackson or John Morant. Um, I'm going to go with Brandon Clark because uh, obviously he's had this bounce back season. He has come back to this just otherworldly uh, shooting efficiency. and But also at the same time, he's uh, regained his uh, defensive impact. Uh, his defensive versatility has been very good this year. And he's been a staple in these closing lineups, especially... Uh, because him and Jaron Jackson Jr. are just incredibly dynamic together uh, in the front court with their ability to switch, their ability to defend the rim, defend guards, um, and just how one can pop while the other man rolls. They can play fast. It's going small with sm- it's small ball principles with while maintaining size. And while Brandon Clark doesn't have ideal size, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the size of a center. Brandon Clark is the size of a four. But, you know, in today's NBA, a four could also just be a big wing. And Clark has that size. And, you know, it's going to be a big uh, postseason for him because, you know, if he can continue this uh, path that he's built this season where, you know, he's providing that spark off the bench and he's in those closing lineups alongside John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks, that's going to go a long way in determining his value going forward and determining his outlook going forward. And also, too, with, with now his third year, he's he's due for a contract extension. He's a guy that 
before the start of the season, he could be in line for a payday. So if he's a guy that continues his impact, continues his efficiency, and just continues being a positive staple off the bench and in these closing lineups, uh, we, we may have another person getting a contract extension this summer besides John Morant. So I know everyone's going to say uh, De'Anthony Melton. I think De'Anthony Melton's probably the role player that swings the series the most, especially with his outside shooting. Um, quite frankly, when he's on and he's hitting these flurries of threes, the Grizzlies are damn near impossible to beat. Because the Grizzlies don't have anybody with that sort of uh, perimeter firepower like De'Anthony Melton. I mean, quite frankly, they haven't had anybody off the bench with this sort of uh, punch off the bench since. All, well, when it comes to like the guards, I mean, obviously, you know, Zach Randolph had one season where he was a six-man under Fizdale. We've had Brandon Clark, uh, Jeff Green here and there, but it, no, but no guard has provided this amount of spark off the bench since OJ Mayo in the 2011-2012 season. Shout out to the USC Trojans on that one. But yeah, while Melton's could probably swing the team's outlook. A little more, I, I definitely gotta say Brandon Clark just because of, you know, his fit in closing lineup situations, his emergence, uh, reemergence into a um, important rotation player for the Grizzlies, and also to just uh, the contract extension that he could be in line for in the all season. Just all those factors combined, it it makes him probably uh, the young role player that could benefit the most from this postseason and has. A decent chunk riding on him, no like pressure or anything, but he could benefit a lot from uh, this postseason and just how he makes an impact there. And so the last one, how or which Grizzly has the most riding on him in this postseason? Uh, quite frankly, like I don't think there's a lot of players that have any sort of big time pressure on them. Um, I mean, obviously, uh. I, I wrote on G- Grizzly Bear Blues that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the biggest X factor of the postseason. And I just think that that's more with just how his shooting inefficiencies and his fouling, you know, it's just kind of been a roller coaster a little bit. I mean, and still, even with that roller coaster, it's crazy that he was all, he was in line for all-star consideration. Uh, that last spot could have probably gone down to him, DeJounte Murray, who ended up getting it or Anthony Edwards, like he's been awesome and he should be on defensive player of the year ballots and he should definitely be a, on that first team all defense. But you know, those factors right there, shooting inefficiency and fouling that could really, uh, how he manages that could really impact the team's ceiling for uh, this postseason. It could really be a big uh, deciding factor on whether or not this team goes to the finals or not. That That's how big it is in my opinion, but it's not like a riding on or anything. Dylan Brooks, I mean, he has the contract extension that could be in line for uh, this summer. And I know there's going to be a lot of questions about his future this summer. But, I mean, I think he's backed up with this play that he's he's a gamer. He's a he's a guy that's going to show up in these big moments. I, I don't have any reason to doubt him or set the right ride on him or anything. But um, I'll say like a low-key one. I think some somebody who has probably the most riding on him, it's not still not a whole lot. I mean, this team, it, it's their second playoffs together there's not a, a it's not a crap ton of pressure I mean it's not like a Utah Jazz situation where you know one slip up and they can blow up the whole team like they're they're fine in that regard but I'll say there's a, quite a bit riding on Kyle Anderson just with being a free agent this offseason um he his shooting touch do, didn't return to how it was last season 
but he's still just a very impactful player um, with creating defensive events, um, defensive versatility. He's realistically a guy that can defend one through four, dabble with the five. He's a smart playmaker. He just makes right plays, make the, makes right cuts. But, you know, the outside shooting, how much is that going to um, hurt him and hinder him in half-court situations? Um, where Because he is one hell of a player at creating transition offense through his defensive activity, grab-and-go rebounds, and his ability to just find his teammates in the open floor. But what's going to happen in the half-court? And I'm going to be very interested to see how – um, he manages that and just kind of what happens with his minutes uh, this postseason because I think it could potentially ride on whether or not, um, one, um, the Grizzlies can afford to have him come back, but also, too, how much money he's going to make. But, again, I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure. I mean, obviously, I, I definitely have an expectation of that they will win this first-round series, and it would be disappointing if they lose this first-round series. But, I mean, there there's no, like, calling for jobs or anything with a series. I mean, this is their second postseason together. There's still a lot of time in this whole long few since. But guess what? At the same time, the future is now. This is a Grizzlies team that has a realistic shot at winning a championship. And the fact that we're saying that for the first time in seven years, uh, especially, you know, year three into a rebuild, it's pretty sweet. It's, it's super sweet. But, you know, I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. And it's going to be one hell of a ride. Um, and I want to thank y'all for uh, tuning in um, and make sure you are following me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka for uh, my home game coverage for uh, the NBA postseason for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, make sure you are following uh, the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies for uh, Grizzlies playoff coverage all postseason long, home and away. And uh, check out our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And make sure you're keeping up with the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, and there you can find every single episode of GBB Live, the Longview Podcast, uh, the 3 and D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And until then, that's all, folks.